Thank you, Angus. Awesome. Hello, Hope City Church. Um, my name is Caleb, as I'm sure you're getting all on your devices ready uh, to ask plenty of questions. I'm part of the team here, um, and I'm excited to be speaking with you all this morning. And as Angus mentioned, we've been going through, we've been looking through a, a book of the Bible called Luke, which is a book which tells it's a story of the accounts of the life of Jesus. It tells us about Jesus Christ, uh, who he is. And today we're going to be looking at a significant event that happens in Jesus' life, uh, found in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. It's the big 19, the little 28. Um, and the Bible's on your chairs if you flip to page 1054. Um, you'll find that. And as you uh, turn to that passage, um, I want to share a story with you about my most recent fringe experience, as I'm sure many of you have had this exact experience as myself. When you go to the fringe, you know, it's all this hoopla and, and craziness, and, and everyone's like, woo, fun. Um, but the one thing that's constant about the fringe, no matter what time of day you go, is the person coming up to you saying, take my flyer, will you please come to my show? Please, here, here it is, it's amazing, you won't regret it. Come, and you've like got like 30 flyers in your hand already, and you're like, no, I'm, o- I'm okay. And now I'm like conditioned, and any time of the year, if anyone comes up to me with anything that is a handout of any sort, I say, no, no, stay away. (laughs) I'm not really interested in what you have to offer. And we're going to look at a story uh, today about some people who aren't really interested in what Jesus has to offer, who aren't interested in what he's bringing. I'm going to bring Dave up, and he's going to read the passage for us. Okay, it's, um, as Caleb said, Luke 19, starting at verse uh, 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side 
They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Now, a lot going on in the passage, so I'm just going to kind of set the scene for us, remind us a bit of where we're at and where we're picking up. You see, Jesus has been traveling for a while now. This is him on his way to Jerusalem. He's been desiring to get to Jerusalem for many days. And many things have happened on this journey, and this is finally the culmination of his arrival. He's made it to Jerusalem. He's with a mob of his disciples, uh, the people with him who've been hanging on his every word, who've been listening to his teaching and following him. And we've, they are certain that what's about to happen next is the kingdom of God is about to appear. Something significant is about to happen when Jesus really reaches Jerusalem. And Jesus has just told them a parable, a story, a teaching to say, what you think is about to happen is not going to happen. Just to cool your jets a little bit, disciples. And the disciples don't care. As we see in this passage, they seem to get really excited. You see, it's right, where we, right after this parable where we pick up. Right after Jesus says, maybe we should slow down a little bit and try to reset expectations. We see Jesus send his disciples to hell and ahead to go and fetch him a colt for him to ride into the city. And this ride into the city is a strange ride. It's an interesting journey, right? He gets on a colt. He goes in on his way down. If that's a colt, if you want to know what he's riding on. And the weirdest thing happens. People begin to take their cloaks off, their coats, and they just throw them on the ground for a colt to walk on. They begin to just do this as the colt all the way into Jerusalem. They're throwing their cloaks down in front of them. Kind of strange, not typical, um, especially when you consider if you've ever ridden a colt or a horse or something that they just kind of go to the bathroom as they walk. So you're like really running the risk of not getting that cloak back. And so... They're doing this, and why? Why are they doing this? Because they believe Jesus is the coming king. This is how you receive a ruler into your city. Someone who's come to rule you, you lay your cloaks down on the road. It's this kingly reception. That's what the disciples believe. They believe something amazing is about to happen. Jesus is going to be the king when he gets to Jerusalem. And then they start to shout. They shout praises to the Lord. They say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They begin to proclaim Jesus is the king. They begin to say that he is the one God has sent to us to save us. But they believe that what Jesus is coming to save them from is an oppressive Roman government. They think that when Jesus gets into Jerusalem, this amazing thing's going to happen. He's going to be king. He's going to restore Israel. He's going to throw the Romans out. He's going to take over and restore Israel to power. And the disciples are thrilled. They can't wait. They're throwing their cloaks on the ground. And they believe that Jesus is coming to save them. But what the, thing, the thing is, is Jesus doesn't care to come and overthrow a government. 
He's not here to overthrow the Romans. He's here for something bigger. He's here for something much more significant. He came not to stop the Romans from ruling over the Israelites, but he came to bring peace. He came to overthrow death so that all who believe in him may no longer, no longer have to fear death. He came to bring peace and overthrow the grave. That's what he's coming to accomplish in Jerusalem. That is what's going to happen when he arrives, and it's not going to happen any way that the disciples expect. That's the goal he's been working towards. And the scene so far is Jesus on a colt, walking on cloaks, people shouting his praises, momentum is building, there's palpable air. It's like, Jesus, Jesus. It's crazy, right? And they're like, woo! And then all of a sudden, what do you get? The Pharisees, they come in and interrupt this beautiful procession. I think I've lost connection. So they interrupt what's happening. They have a very important announcement that they want to bring to you. The Pharisees burst onto the scene, interjecting their opinion. They go to Jesus and say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Don't you know what will happen if Rome hears about this? What Caesar will do to us if they hear a king is coming into town? This is not good for us. Jesus silenced them. And why? Does the, why do the Pharisees want this? Because they don't believe Jesus is the king. They don't think he's the one that God sent. And so they're worried that Jesus is going to bring destruction down upon them. That Rome will come because of this reception he's received. Their motivations are entirely political. It is self-preservation. They don't want to accept this reality that's before them. They don't want to admit what's going on in front of their very eyes. It reminds me of something that happened in America right when Trump was elected. Uh, Many of you probably care or don't care, but huge hashtag went out on Twitter that was trending all the time, and they said, and it said, hashtag, not my president. Not my president. Just refused to accept it. Couldn't, reality was, he was the president, and he was, if you're an American, he was your president, unfortunately, whether you approve of it or disapprove of him, whatever. They were like, no, not my president. I refuse to accept the reality. The Pharisees are saying, not my Messiah, not my king. He's not here for me. I don't approve of him, so I will just reject him. I will just say he is not the one that God has sent. And yet, the reality of it is, is that Jesus is the king. And he wants to remove all doubt about who he is. He says, even if my disciples fall silent, even if they're quiet, I tell you, the stones will cry out. That if the disciples don't tell you who I am, creation will tell you who I am. Because I am the son of God. Because I am God's king. He can, it is undeniable, whether you speak out or don't, creation will do so on my behalf. 
Jesus is the Messiah and there's nothing the Pharisees can do about it. And with that firmly established that Christ is the King and Messiah coming to save Israel from death, to save us from death. We see this interjection by the Pharisees not so much as a random interruption, but a bit of a precursor now. It's the forerunner to Jerusalem's rejection. We see that this is the beginning of a pattern of rejection in the passage. So Jesus, when he arrives at Jerusalem and he sees the city, he weeps. He weeps for a city that is unwilling to believe that he would bring, him, bring them peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that brings life, a peace that conquers death, a peace that brings restoration. Christ wanted to bring that peace to Jerusalem, but they were unwilling. Jesus longs to save the lost. The people who don't know them, don't know him, he wants to know them. It's the reason he came. He came to save the lost. To save and to... And now this triumphant entry, this kingly reception has turned rather dreek. Christ riding on a colt, walking on cloaks, disciples shouting his praises, and the king weeping on a colt for a king, for a city that would not have him. He wanted to bring that blessed peace, and they were unwilling, and they failed to recognize that God had come to them. They missed it. And because they missed it, because that rejection, that unwillingness, destruction is brought upon them. And Jesus weeps for it. He's not happy about it. He's saddened. He wanted to bring the peace. He didn't want destruction. And history tells us that Jerusalem would fall A few decades later, it would be raised, utterly crushed, utterly destroyed. And it brings Christ no pleasure to know that 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 was coming. Just like Christ knew that the colt was waiting for him tied up, Christ knew that destruction was coming for Jerusalem. Now, I know what everyone's thinking at this point. What a great story. Or they're thinking, what a lame story. But everyone's asking the question, so what? Why does this matter to me, to us? And the question is, and the answer to that, I guess, is that this story is a true one. And that Jesus is a real person. And Jesus really is the Son of God. But more importantly, it matters to you because Jesus didn't come just for Jerusalem. But he came for you. Jesus came for each and every single one of you. He came to bring you that peace. He came to restore the broken and to save the lost. To bring peace to chaos. He's offering peace today. I know you must be thinking, Caleb, what are you talking about? Jesus didn't bring peace or restore brokenness or conquer death because we still have war and disease 
and death. So how can this be true? The world is still broken. And you're right, all those things still exist. But for those who believe in Jesus, we know that Christ will return again. We know that Christ will right every wrong. We know that he is coming back to destroy his enemies, to cure all diseases, to bring that peace for all. And that, oh, those who believe in him live with that peace. We live with the peace that Christ will return someday. And we know that we don't have to fear death because we will spend all eternity with the king who conquered it. That is the peace that Christ offers. Today, we have the choice before us to join in with the disciples, shouting out our confession of Jesus as king, or to stand stubbornly with Jerusalem and miss this peace. I stand here and I implore you today, please don't fail to recognize the king who's come to save you. Don't reject the peace that he's offering. A peace that saves you from destruction. If you want the peace that Christ offers, it's relatively a simple start. It's the confession that Jesus is king. To say out loud to the Lord that Jesus is king. To say he is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you find yourself saying those words, come find me, because that's amazing. And let's talk more about who Jesus is, or find Angus, or find the person you came with. Even if you don't want to say that confession, or maybe you're not interested in that at all, maybe you have a lot of critiques for me, come find me. Let's talk about it. I would love to answer any questions or respond to any critiques about Christianity, about Christ, about Jesus. I won't judge, be condescending, and I promise to not be offended. But I ask, don't reject what Christ is offering you this morning. And to those of you who are followers of Christ, why is this relevant to you? Why does this passage matter? What is your takeaway? And to that, my response is, join in with the disciples. What do we see the disciples doing in this passage? They're doing strange things. They're taking off their clothes and laying it down for a colt to walk on. They're shouting out the praise of the Lord boldly. Not caring for political, social, or economical repercussions that that comes. They're not afraid that if Rome hears about it, that they'll come to be destroyed. Because they know the truth. They know the reality. They can't help but acknowledge it, that Jesus is king. They have to shout. They have to say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So we should be saying the same. We should be talking to our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends. And not caring about the repercussions that come from that. Because the reality is that Jesus is the king. Bold, obvious statements that Jesus is king. Not fearing repercussions. And why proclaim boldly? So that all may know 
the peace that Jesus brings. So that all may be saved from death. We proclaim it because it's what the reality is. And that reality should shape our our actions. Knowing the truth that Jesus is king should be reflected in all that we do. The Messiah has come. Do we recognize it? Will we boldly proclaim it? I'm going to take a moment to pray, and then I'll have some discussion questions uh, for us. Uh, Father God, uh, thank you uh, for sending your son Jesus to come and bring us peace. I pray, Lord, that we would recognize Jesus as king, that we would recognize your son, and that we would take his offer of peace, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we go, and as we go out into our weeks, Lord. We would proclaim the name of Jesus to all we know. In his name we pray.